I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. You're looking at a miracle. I'm looking at miracles. We're all miracles. Amen? God's taking us out of the pits of hell and putting us here together to worship Him. We're miracles. Some of us have been through worse than others. It doesn't matter what you've been through. We were all going to the same place. Now we're all in the same boat. Going to have time with Jesus, right? Amen. Amen. My life was a living hell. I was hooked up on drugs and alcohol and lying and cheating and lust. And I was completely out of control. If you told me 20 years ago I'd be up here preaching the word of God, I'd probably laugh in your face. But we serve a God of miracles. Amen. And he's taken me out of the pits and, and, and planted me up here to bring a word. I need a, a Kleenex. Can someone bring me a Kleenex, please? Joanna. And uh, he's given me a word to preach today. And um, I just pray that that word. Thank you. Thank you. She's a miracle. She's a miracle. Give her a hand. She's a miracle. <clears throat> she stuck with me when I don't think any other woman would have. She saw something in me. She saw Jesus when I couldn't even see Jesus. And God told her to stick, stand firm. And she did. I looked at her once in the face and says, what are you doing with me? Why don't you just leave? She grabbed me and said, Satan, get out of my husband. She did. And I'm grateful. And I love you very much. I want to thank Pastor for allowing me to stand up here. Um, you know, I take this very seriously because the Bible says that we who preach the word of God are more accountable and uh, it's hard enough just being accountable to God to be more accountable. is It's scary, you know, and uh, but I just give all those fears to the Lord. I ask him to take them away and, and I just want to pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word, to share with you put on my heart, Lord, Father God, to share your love that you've given me with others, Lord, Father God. And Lord, I just ask you to push me out of the way and fill me with your spirit. Use me, Lord, Father God to bring your word forth, Lord, that it will not come back void, Lord, that it will change our lives today and forever, Lord. I just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Can we all stand up, please, as we read the word of God? And if you have a Bible, you can open it to Hebrews chapter 12. If not, James will have it up on the board. Welcome, Pastor. <laughs> there you go. Verse 1 and 2, chapter 12 of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, as I look out here, the cloud of witnesses around me is amazing. Amen? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Lord, I just thank you for your word. 
May it resonate in our hearts, Lord. May it go out and do what you've called it do. May it crush the enemy, Lord, Father God, and may it fill our lives with your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let us throw off everything that hinders. And we're going to talk about that today. And the sin that so easily entangles us. I was entangled in everything you can possibly imagine. I was totally entangled in it. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But let us run the race with perseverance. I keep, whenever I I say that, I remember the Boston Marathon bombing. There was that old man. He was, I don't know how old he was, 70 years old. He was like 20 feet from the finish line. I don't know if you ever saw it. And when the bomb blew up, it blew him over. And all the people came over and tried to help him up and bring him over to the side. He said, get away from me. I'm finishing the race. I'm going to finish the race. They said, no, no, no. He said, no, leave me alone. People are going to try to get you out of the race. No, no, no. I'm finishing this thing that I started. I'm finishing it. Well, don't you want another joint? Don't you want to say, no, no, I'm finishing the race. Don't you want to bet on the Super Bowl? No, no, I'm finishing the race that I've started. Okay? And that's what God wants us to do, finish the race. But we got to take off the things that hinder us. One of the things I had on me, James told me not to walk around too much. Sorry, James. <laughs> He's filming, so. One of the things that really had me was unforgiveness. I had so much unforgiveness in me. And the worst one was, I didn't know until the end, was forgiving myself. I was full of shame and regret of the things I did in my life, things I did to others, things people did to me I didn't want to forgive, you know, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, I'm going to church every Sunday, but there ain't no way I'm forgiving my dad for the things he said. There ain't no way I'm forgiving my mom for she died when I was 20 from alcohol. How could you do that to me? The great I am. There's no way I'm forgiving my dad for selling the family business when he retired. There's no way I'm going to forgive this one that won't talk to me in my family. My aunt and uncle, my aunt that didn't call me and my uncle passed away 30 years ago, never knew about it. My cousin was my best friend that died 25 years ago. The family never called us to tell us. How can I forgive them? Because God tells us to. Amen? Those things were all tearing me apart. When we refuse to forgive, we're the ones who suffer. I was full of unforgiveness, among other things. Some of the things I was holding on to that some of you might be holding on to was rejection. As a child, some of our parents might not have been there for us. Some of us, were I, I wasn't one of them, but I'm grateful I wasn't. But some of us grew up with one parent. And when the other parent isn't in the picture, that can cause a root of rejection. Sometimes we blame ourselves that the mother or father is not in the picture. Because of me, they must have moved out. And some parents will actually blame the kids. Or they come home from work, uh, the kids come home from school, rather, and mom and dad aren't there because they're working. They have to support the family. And it's tough today because both parents work today usually. And it's not the way that it was 50 years ago. Dad would work, mom would stay home with the kids. And But today's lifestyle with all the things and the fancy things we need, the, the cell phones and the cars and two cars in the garage and two boats and the, and the snowmobiles and the fancy house because we want to compete with the Joneses. So both families, both parents have to work. So the kids come home to an empty house when they come home from school. And rejection sets in because mom and dad aren't there. Why isn't my mom here when I come home from school? 
a four or five or six year old, when mom and dad ain't home, when you come home, the rejection can set in. It wasn't intentional, but it happened. I blamed God for my mother's death. I blamed everyone else for my mother's death. I was full of anger. I was full of lust. I was addicted to bad language. I was addicted to lust. I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to bad language. I was addicted to filthy uh, jokes. All that stuff was tearing me apart. And what we read was, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. All those things were entangling me. I didn't know it. Even coming to church, I was doing these things. I thought that just by being in church, they'd all go away, and they didn't. It could be, it could be something like serious, like you were molested as a child, and you can never, ever, ever forgive that person. We're the ones who are suffering if we don't forgive. The loss of a mother or father, sister or brother, and we don't know how to properly grieve and move on. We teach that in inner healing. I didn't learn to grieve my mother's death till 25 years after she passed away. It just got worse and worse and worse because a negative seed was planted and it was producing negative fruit. It was wrapping itself around me like a vine. You might not have spoken to someone for a very long time because you're mad at them or they're mad at you. or You might not even know the reason why because it's been 10, 20 years. I'm not calling them till they call me. Really? Who's the Christian? There's six people that come faithfully to inner healing. I can't talk about what's said, but two of them were struggling with not talking to someone for over ten years. Two out of six. I'm not talking to them. I'm not forgiving them. And, and they have done it, and they've been released. Amen? Amen. So That's why I'm bringing this up, because if, if, if two out of six, how many people are here now? You might be wrapped around something, might be wrapped around you. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea what you're going through, but I know God wants me to preach this message. Could be a boss or co-worker that you can't stand. I deal with that every once in a while because I'm on construction sites and there's always someone different running the jobs. Some people just can't stand them. They're just so worldly and, and, and aggravating and no matter what you do, it's not good enough. You know, And that rejection and that bitterness starts growing out of the ground. Could be something you did to somebody else. And you're full of shame and guilt. When a situation happens, though, whether good or bad, our fault or someone else's fault, how we react determines the reaction that comes back upon us. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. What we sow sets in motion the consequences that come back upon us. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. We sow love, we get love back. Isn't that awesome to be loved? We sow anger, we get anger back. No one wants to be yelled at. No one wants someone to come at them out of the side of their throat because they're yelling and screaming. No one wants that. But when we sow that, that's what we're going to reap in return. When we sow God's love, we get loved in return. That's awesome. That's what we strive for. God created us out of his love. And he wants us to love and to be loved. Not to be angry and resentful and full of hate and anger. That's not of God. Amen? Job 4.8 says, As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble will reap it. And that's all I did. Talked about everybody. and 
mad at everybody, mad at God, mad at myself. This is an extreme example, but I'm not trying to, I'm trying to paint a picture that's also true with like resentment, anger, unforgiveness, lust, pride. I'm not saying everyone's evil. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to paint a picture so you can see what, what these things lead to, the anger and the lust and the resentment, but also what love and righteousness and holiness lead to something good in return. Hosea 10, 12 says, sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers you with his righteousness. So when you sow righteousness, God's going to give you righteousness in return. That's what his word says. Not what I say, it's what God says. Then he says, but you've planted wickedness, you're going to reap evil. Who's done doing that? I know I am. You don't have to raise your hand, but you can. Put them both up if you have to. You know, I'm tired of sowing evil. I'm tired of talking about somebody. I'm tired of gossiping, you know. And thank God, God's broken me of those things. What I'm trying to do is show you there's a reaction for every action. You sow good, and you get good fruit. You sow bad, and you get bad fruit. You may think that only sowing bad is the only things we do with our flesh. You know, it's not just the things of the flesh. It's the things of the heart that God's looking for. And I always thought it was the things I did in my flesh. Looking at things I shouldn't look at. Smoking crack cocaine. Drinking alcohol. Lusting. Swearing. But it's the things in the heart that God wants to clean out too. The anger. The resentment the unforgiveness, the shame, the guilt, the fear. That's what God wants. Matthew 5.22 says, But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister, he's talking to Christians, will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, is in the danger of the fire of hell. I read those things. I said, wow, that's me. I don't want to be like that. But I go to church every Sunday. Doesn't that count? Yeah, it does. But I still have my part to do, which was to clean up the mess. Amen? I had to clean it up. Matthew 6.14 is, is a scripture I read that changed my life. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You mean I can be forgiven? God can forgive me for my sins, all the garbage I've done in my life? Yeah. I need to forgive others in order to receive forgiveness. I need to sow forgiveness in order to reap forgiveness. But if you don't forgive others when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. Man, that came off the page like a sledgehammer and hit me right between the eyes. It had a profound effect on my life. I had to forgive. See, it's not an excuse. And I'm usually just use that, and I shouldn't have. Because so some people say, no, I'm, I'm Irish. That's why I drink. No, it's not. It's because you're a sinner. Right? I know I use my hands because I'm Italian, but, you know, Italians, a lot of them would yell and beat the kids. No, you don't do that. That's sin. Oh, I do this because I'm Dominican. I do this because I'm Mexican. I do this because I'm Hawaiian. No, you don't. You do it because you're full of sin. Stop using that as an excuse. Amen?
I love this one at work with all the construction workers and a woman walks by that's pretty. Oh, that's just the way we are, that we're men. No, it's not. Real men don't do that crap. Amen? Amen. I thought God was going after the bad things I did, but he was going after my heart. See, he wants to remove all the junk in my heart so he can reside inside it. If it's full of junk, he can't live there. There's no room for him. He ain't going to live where the devil is. He ain't going to live there. Sorry. The two of them don't get along. You got to kick that guy out so he can have room to, to reside in you. I had to get rid of all this garbage that was holding me down. That was in tw- to get rid of all the sin that so easily entangles and hinders us. She's talking to Christians. Oh, well, I got saved. I went to church. I should be fine. Well, no, I had to get rid of all this stuff. I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. But now I know I have to get rid of these things. Now he resides in my heart. That's why I have a heart for pastor now. I didn't have that before. I had a heart for the people down the cafe. I didn't have that. When they first started down the cafe, it's, oh, that person's coming in here again. No, God, let him keep walking by. I don't want to deal with that one. Then I said to God, change my heart, oh God. Psalm 51, search me. Change my heart. I don't want this evil, wicked heart no more. Take this junk out and fill it with your love. So when that person walks by, I run out and welcome them in now. Amen? My heart's evil and wicked above all things. That's what the world, the word says. No more. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of putting people down. I'm tired of, of being bound up in, in vines and everything that I can't get out of. I'm tired. I'm getting so old, I'm now able to go to the senior dinner tonight. <laughs> first, first week he announced it, he said 60 and over. I said, good, I'm 59 and a half. I don't have to go. <laughs> then the next week, 55 and over, I nudged Joanna. I said, looks like we're going. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Bill. <laughs> I can't wait to be there tonight. I really can't. Get away from all you kids. No. <laughs> uh. He wants to heal our broken heart. And he wants to cleanse us from all sin. All that stuff I talked about is sin. Whether you realize or not, that resentment, that anger, the shame, the lust, that's all sin. God wants to clean it out. The enemy wants to keep it coming. He wants you to keep sowing more and more and more so it produces more and more bad fruit. Good fruit and bad fruit can't mix together. I tried it. It don't work. It don't work. Because the bad fruit will always take over. The smelly, rotten, stinky fruit that's in the drawer. Right? Yeah, it does. When I open the drawer and there's a few bad apples in there and everything, I want to throw the whole bag away, don't I? You know? Colossians 3, 3 through 9 sums it up. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. So this is talking to Christians, the Colossians. So he says, now put to death, talking to Christians, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, get rid of those things that so easily entangle you. Sexual immorality. It's funny he puts that first, isn't it? Impurity, lust, 
evil desires, and greed, which is adultery. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Then jump down to verse 8. But now you must rid yourself also of all these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. That was my whole nature. It was all those things put together. Get rid of them. They're entangling you, Wayne. Get rid of them. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices. I need to get rid of that stuff. I need to undress myself of all that garbage that was on there. But like I said before, it also includes things that were done to us that we need to let go of. Things that could have been done to us. Things we've done to others. God wants it all. How's this song go, Pastor Bill? I won't relent till I have it all. My heart is yours. We sing that down the cafe. He's not going to relent. He's not going to stop. If you've given your life to Christ, he's chasing you down. He's going to find you. He's going to knock you down. He's going to open the doors of darkness. No shadow will hide, right? Stacy, the shadows won't hide. He's going to kick down every mountain. He's going to knock it down. He's going to kick the doors in. You ain't hiding from him. You're not going to play games from him because I tried it. He's going to expose everything you do. Everything. And I'm grateful he did it. Grateful. He exposed who I really was. And and I'm grateful he did. Because now he shows who I am in Christ. Amen? He doesn't care whose fault it is. And he doesn't care who's... He doesn't blame anybody. He don't blame you for the things you have. He wants to heal you. He wants to love you. He wants to grow inside you. And he can't do it if there's stuff there that don't belong there. Jesus spoke in parables a lot. He used things like fishing, coins, farming, vines to get his message across to the people because they could understand it. A farmer can understand when they're talking about sowing and reaping. A fisherman can understand about casting a fish out into the thing and catching fish. You start talking to me about some pharmaceutical stuff, I'll just go out the back door and go home. I'm not going to understand the word you're talking about. Talk to me about construction and stuff, and I'll, I'll sit and listen because I understand. So I'm going to try to do the same thing today. I'm not Jesus, but I'm going to try to do the same thing and, and, and speak to you with, with some props I have here. Picture a beautiful white birch tree. You ever see the white birch trees, how nice they are? I mean, I'll never forget, Joanna and I were up in Maine one time. It's, we've been there three or four times since. It's never happened. But it happened this one time. We drove through a forest, a national park forest, whatever it was in Maine, White Mountain National Forest, and it was, it was fall, and every single tree was a white birch tree on this one road. Every tree, as far as you could see. And the leaves were bright, bright, bright yellow, and the sun hit the trees just right that the leaves looked like they were on fire. It was the most beautiful sight you've ever seen in your life. It was God showing us a bit of heaven. And we've gone back there three or four times trying to imitate it, and nah, ain't happening. It was that one moment we had. Picture a, a tree, a nice tree in your yard, anyone that has a house or, or there's trees all around here. Picture a nice tree, beautiful leaves on it. You know, the trees at the end of our street, we have a little street. Um, someone named it Zanky Way, but, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a little road. It's only a, it's got a dead-end street. But at the end of this, someone got it. At the end of the street, there's a pile of trees. The street just ends, and they plow all the snow up against the trees. And there's 10 feet of snow there sometimes, usually in a normal winter. Thank God it's warm. Amen. So, uh, but usually there'll be 5 or 10 feet of snow up on them trees. But in the, in the springtime, it all melts. You think the trees are dead because of all the snow and the salt pushed up against them, but they thrive. They come back to life. 
Amen? And in the summertime, when it's hot and humid, those trees still grow. They're strong, you know? But, you know, what happens is sometimes them trees get bugs and pests and things. And, and I remember one time a couple years ago, I was walking my cat, and I talked about this. Earlier. We have a cat, and we walk the cat with a leash. That's what we do. I live, I live near the Merrimack River, and we get bald eagles flying over my house. And there's no bald eagle going to take my cat. I'm sorry. We have hawks. We have coyotes. We have turkeys. We have deer. Come on over sometime. But the cat, we put the cat on a leash. She'll be upstairs sleeping, and if you say you want to go out, right down the stairs she comes, the ears pop up, and out Joanna takes her for a walk every day, I'll take her for a walk, she loves it if we let her go, she's going to go hunt everything and we'll never see her again or something's going to hunt her and we'd be devastated, if you ever lost an animal it's horrible, so anyway I noticed something when I was walking with her, we'd always go to the end of the street, and there'd be a concrete retainer wall they put up, and she'd jump on the wall and let me pet her for half an hour or so, and I'd be looking and focusing on these trees, just looking at the beauty of what God's created. And I noticed something. You know, in in one of these trees, there was a shoot sticking out of the ground, and um, it was a root that came out. It was a vine that was three or four feet away from the tree, and it would start growing up. Like, I said, where's this thing going, you know? It was aiming for the tree, the vine. And then as it grew, it would get closer and closer. And there was another vine that was actually growing up, and it started wrapping around the tree, a little tiny vine. And as it got up into the tree, it would have leaves on it that blended in with the leaves of the tree. It was trying to mask the tree. And then it had flowers on it. But it really, the contrast with the tree and the vine, it looked beautiful. And I'll show you. I got, a, I got one of the vines right here. I think James has a picture of it he's going to put up. This is the vine. This is actually the vine. It's one of them vines I cut right there. This is the vine. You know, you can't, now you can, it's dead. But you couldn't break this. This little tiny vine, strong. When it's alive, you can't break it. It's got power. And to see this thing growing straight up 10 feet without bending over, it's like, how can it do that? You know, but it had a goal. It was aiming for the tree. It was aiming to wrap itself around that tree. So then as I looked, let me get my notes back here. I saw another tree that had a vine that must have been a little bit older. It actually had grown up the tree and out the branches. And as it was growing out the branches, it would send down other vines from the branches. Now they're coming down. And in the bottom of the vine, you'd see roots. And you could tell they're aiming for the ground because they're going to dig in. And they're going to start to shoot shoots and, and they're going to keep going up. You know, and, and that vine looks something like this. It's a big vine, huh? That was wrapped around the tree. In fact, it started, it made, when I took this off, there was an indentation in the tree where this thing had grown. Because the tree, it must have started out like this, and as this got bigger, and the tree got bigger, something had to give, and the bark gave. So it was slowly sucking the life out of that tree, you know. And this vine is a strong vine. Try breaking that with your hands when it's alive. It's not happening. You know, but then when I realized, I started putting it together. Now I'm talking about the parables that Jesus spoke about. Those vines that were wrapping around the tree were the same vines that were wrapping around me, the resentment. 
And then the shoots would go out and down would come shoots from the resentment, anger from the same resentment, the same root. Hatred. Bitterness. All new shoots coming out. All wrapping itself around the tree. And the tree was welcoming them because it made the tree look beautiful. If you sat back in the summer and you looked at the tree and said, wow, that tree looks nicer than the rest of the trees because it's got two different kinds of leaves. It's got flowers on it. Wow, that looks really, really nice. And at both ends of our property, there's probably 30 or 40 trees covered in these vines. And they make, them, they make the trees look nice. But they're sending down shoots. And they have a goal to suffocate that tree. And the tree doesn't even know it. We don't know it. When these shoots start coming up out of the ground because someone said something to us, and we allow it to resonate in our hearts, a little vine starts growing. Then it turns into that. Try getting that off. You know, it's hard. I had to cut that with a chainsaw. I had to cut the small one with a chainsaw because I couldn't break it with my hands. It just kept snapping and pulling. You know, anyone that's tried to break a live branch, you can't do it. I don't want these vines around me anymore. I don't want to send shoots down in the ground. I don't want to sow negativity anymore because that's what was happening. All wrapped around me, entwining in me. I don't want it to indent into me anymore. It was so bad you could barely tell the leaves from the tree from the leaves from the vine. You couldn't tell the sin from the person, from the sinner. It's who I became. You know? This is who I am now. I'm now that person full of vines. You can't see Wayne underneath it anymore. All you see is the vines and all the, all the outward motions and all the outward sin. That's all you can see. That's all you can see when you see the tree. It's all you see. Then I looked at another tree. Let me tell you something. This tree was bent over. See that tree up there on the right? Look at the tree on the left. See the vine wrapped around that tree? And then ascending all them. All the top is all vines. That's not the branches of the tree. That's vines coming down. Look at the tree on the right, the small one on the ground. But look at the big one. That tree used to be straight. Used to be straight. Yeah. Because something like this was grabbing it. That's a vine that I cut off the tree. This thing was wrapped around one of them trees. Sucking the life right out of it. Pulling it over so it wants to kill it. Originally the tree welcomed it. Now the tree's like, I can't let go of this thing. It's got a hold of me. Help me. I went around to every single tree and I cut every single vine with a chainsaw. Now they're all just hanging and dangling. Who want, That thing weighs 20 pounds. It's only two feet long. These vines go up 100 feet. Imagine what they weigh. That's pulling that tree down. That tree was straight a couple years ago. That tree's probably 12, 14 inches in diameter. And the vine's pulling it down, slowly sucking the life out of it. The vines of my life were sucking the life out of me. The b- bitterness, the resentment, the alcohol, the drugs, the shame, the guilt, the fear. Fear to come up and preach the word of God. No more. Because I cut the suckers. I cut them. And we're going to show you, we're going to show you how we do that. 
How do you get rid of those vines? We're going to show you. Again, I was angry at my dad. I was angry at God. I was angry at myself. I was angry at my stepmom. And I shot out vines of bitterness, anger, resentment, hatred, fear. I had my girlfriend get an abortion when she was 15. I got her pregnant. I had a vine of shame that I murdered a baby. That don't go away easy. That baby is waiting for me in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I was hooked on alcohol, drugs, gambling, all while going to church, sitting in a pew, thinking everything was right, and I was all wrapped up in vines, wondering why my life can't be like the pastor's or like somebody else's in church. That tree, I had a vine of shame. I couldn't lift my head up. I realized this morning when I was preaching what it was. The vine was holding me down in shame. It was holding me down. I couldn't even lift my head up and look at anybody. I notice myself today, something I'm working on, when I walk by somebody and they're looking at me, my head goes down and I walk by them and my head goes back up. I'm like, what's that? That shame's trying to come back. No, 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 no. I can leave my head up when I walk by somebody. If you ever see me doing it, say, Wayne, lift your head up. I mean that. Lift your head up. You know, I don't want to do that no more. God's cut that. The enemy's trying to bring it back. He wants to shoot it back up again. No, 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 no. The last three weeks, Pastor Rick spoke about three aspects. I said this from the last service. (laughs) Well, from earlier when Joanna brought it up. Uh, he talked about three aspects of faith. I want to get you involved. Anyone remember the first one that he talked about? Who said that? What they say? Basic. Basic faith. Thank you, Kelly. Anyone that wasn't at the first service? <laughs> no. <laughs> what was the next one? Faith of Abraham. Amen. Amen. And what was the last one? Faith of the Fathers, right? Amen. Today's title of the message is Faith of the Word of God. Or Faith of the Sword. What's the Word of God? Another acronym. The Sword, right? The Sword. The Word of the Sword. The Word of God. We need to have faith in that. I needed to have faith in that. We all need to have faith in that. You know, the armor of God says... In Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a whole bunch of them. It's not just Satan. He's got armies. He's got legions of armies. It just said it. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when a day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It says stand four different times. And after you've done everything, after you fight the battle, to stand. You're not sitting on your butt. You're not laying over and dying. You're standing. 
You have no power over me, Satan, because I'm going to give you the word of God. That's my first point is the armor of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Jesus is the truth. Amen. And the truth says he set you free. The truth says that you are a child of God. The truth says he that's in you is greater than he that rules the world. Wrap that around you, not vines. Wrap Jesus around you and cut the vines. With the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart. All those things that people said to you. No, I got a breastplate of righteousness on. I'm not going to let that penetrate no more. I can't take any more. With your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel that comes from the gospel of peace. Read the word and be ready to share the gospel. So everywhere you go, you take it with you. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith to ward off those fiery darts that come. They used to dip the, the shield would be eight or ten feet high. It wasn't a little tiny shield. It was a whole body shield. They'd soak it in leather. They'd cover it in leather and they'd dip it in water. So when the flaming arrows came that they used to really shoot, the shield would put out the arrows. The flaming arrows are the comments and things that people say to us. Sometimes they get around the shield because we don't have it up. And a vine starts growing. Or maybe before you accepted Christ, all these vines were there. You don't know how to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of them today. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the word, which is the word of God. Remember, you are the tree, and the things we allow to grow through sin in our sinful life become the vine. Let's not get them, let them grow anymore. Let's rip them down today. Amen? If left unchecked, unforgiveness, lust, anger, not grieving the loss of a loved one, being told bad things about yourself when you were a kid or when you were old, if undealt with, these things become vines that entangle around us. And the last thing we want is to end up like this. How do you get that off? It's only one way. It's only one way. Faith in God's word. I'll say it again. Faith in God's word. That's how you get rid of the vines. You gotta start using it. You gotta believe it first. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in your word, Lord. I believe in your word, Lord. You changed my life. Because I started quoting scripture to the enemy and cut him down. You might have problems with your family. You might have problems with your co-work, co-workers. It says you can't, so you can stand against the devil's schemes. I looked up the word scheme to make plans, especially in a devious way with intent to do something illegal or wrong. That's what he's scheming to do. Something wrong in your life. Devious almost spells the word devil. So I looked that up. I thought maybe that was the root. I was wrong, but it's not too far away. Departing from the direct route, deviating from the straight way, skilled at underhand tactics. Who's that described? He wants to deviate you from the straight way to the cross, and he wants you to go that way or this way. He wants you to depart from the truth, from the direct route to the Father. He wants you to depart from Jesus and take another route 
that don't get you there, that always falls short. He wants you to depart from faith in God's word. Matthew 3.10 says, The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down. Let's cut down the trees that aren't producing good fruit in our lives today. Let's cut down those vines. The word says so. The axe is already there. Let's cut it down. The axe is the sword of God. The word. First, you need to believe who you are in Christ. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm not a uh, dirtbag drug addict anymore. My name's not Wayne. I'm an alcoholic. My name's Wayne. I'm a child of the king. Amen? Amen. I don't have any of the symptoms anymore of alcoholism. I'm not going to stand up here and say that. I had cancer once. I don't have it anymore. I'm not going to stand up here and say, my name's Wayne. I got cancer. I don't have it anymore. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm God's chosen people that I can declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness. That's who I am. Get off me, Ruth. Get off me, Ruth of shame. I'm a child of the king. I'm cutting you down with the word of God. With the sword. I got something over here. Excuse my back. I know it's pretty, but excuse it. This is real. This is heavy. James gave it. This thing weighs 10 pounds. The sword of the word. Cut the roots. What do you think I use to cut the roots of these um, vines with? Chainsaw. What's that? A sword. Right? We need to use the sword. We need to use God's word. No. No, I'm not going to go down that path no more. No, I'm not a loser no more. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. Get away from me, Satan. I'm using the word to cut you down. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves me so much, he sent his son to die for me. If I was the only one that ever lived, he died for me to take my shame on that cross. He took my place because I deserve to be there. Thank you, Lord. Have faith in his word. Destroy the strongholds. Rip the vines off your life. The armor of God comes from the word of God. Have faith in the word of God. Put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Put all those things on. Forget you're not no good. You can't do, can't you do a better job at work? I get that every day. I hate you. I wish you were never born. I should have gotten that job, not you. You should be ashamed of yourself for the things you did. A little voice in your head. Why'd God take away my mom? Why'd God take away my brother or sister? Because he has a plan that we don't understand. His ways aren't our ways. remember hearing that yesterday at the funeral by some great man. His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our ways. We don't always understand. That great man sitting right here. Point him out. I can't ever forgive this one for what they did. You better. Because if you don't forgive others when they sin against you, you're going to have a vine growing around you. And it says your Heavenly Father won't forgive you your sins. Well, if my sins aren't forgiven, it ain't too hard to figure out where I'm going. Amen? My sins need to be forgiven for me to go to heaven, don't they? Okay, so I need to forgive. I don't want little vines wrapping around me no more because they turn into big, big vines if I let them play in my head. Let them be extinguished by the shield of faith. Our only weapon... 
in the armor of God is the word of God, the sword of the word. All the rest are defensive weapons, every single one of them. Your sword. We already talked about the axe is already at the root of the trees. The sword of God, the word of God. He's going to cut it down whether you do or not. And I don't want him to cut it down when I'm standing to him face to face. I want to cut it down while I'm still alive so I can help others cut down their swords, their, their vines. Amen? When people navigate through the jungle brush, what do they use? Machete. What is it? A sword. And it helps them get right through the jungle. Without it, they're not going anywhere. If we don't cut these vines off our lives, we're not growing spiritually. We're not going nowhere. We're not going to make it to the next point. We're not going to make it to the next village. How can we go out and preach God's word when we get vines holding us back? The sword, the machete is effective and it's easy. It cuts through them branches like they're nothing. God's word will cut through. It's double-edged. One side will cut the vine as the other side kills the enemy. Double-edged. Amen? It has other meanings, but that's what I like to use it for. It's got two purposes. It's got many purposes. You know, when, you, when you're in battle, Adrian's been in the Marines. When you're in battle, sometimes you have to get into hand-to-hand combat because the enemy's gotten around all your defenses. He's gotten past the cannons. He survived the bombings from the B-52s. He survived the um, flamethrowers. He's survived the hand grenades. He's survived the bullets from the guns. And now he's right in your trench. What do they tell you to put on the end of your rifle? A bayonet. What is that? A sword. Look at another man that knows what I'm talking about. A sword. He's gotten through everything. It's either you or him. It ain't going to be me today. It's going to be him. Because I'm going to kill him with the word of God. What did Jesus do when he was tempted three times? He quoted the word of God three times. And Satan said, see you later. But he waited for another opportune time. Because he's coming back. He's not defeated yet till Jesus comes back. Right? But we can defeat him on a daily basis. Amen? The word of God's our sword. Matthew 6.14. We already spoke about it. If I forgive others when they sin against me, my heavenly Father will forgive me my sins. Lord, I forgive this person, even though I don't feel like it. Because I've been hurt. God doesn't care about our feelings. He'll change your feelings after you forgive, not before. Because if you wait, if he waits for you to forgive, to, for your feelings to change, if you wait for that long, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get there. If God waited us, if God waited for all of us to stop sinning before we got in the cross, he'd still be waiting. So when you forgive, then he'll do his part. His part is to change your heart. When I forgave my dad, when I forgave myself, when I forgave my mom, when I asked for forgiveness because I was angry at the church because they couldn't help me, God couldn't help me, my wife couldn't help me, Bill couldn't help me, Sheldon couldn't help me. It was all their fault. But when I said, forgive me, Lord, my heart changed. It changed. Then I got a changed heart. Not before. 
It says to love your neighbor in Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's hard to do when, when everyone you come in contact is your neighbor in the word of God. Not just the one who lives next to you. It's whoever God puts in front of you at that moment. That's your neighbor. You're supposed to love them. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and mother in the Lord. I don't care what type of upbringing you had. I dishonored my mother and I dishonored my father. And I know a few people in here who have. And since we've gotten right with God, that's changed. Because the vines have been cut through the word of God. Forgive me, Lord. Your word says to honor my father and mother. I honor them today for who they are. They brought me into the world. Who do I think I am? I'm no better than they are. I'm a sinner just like them. But I honor them today. And the, and the vine was cut. He no longer has hold on me against my father and my mother. Because 1 John 4, 4 says, we have overcome them. We've overcome the enemy because he that's in us is greater than he that rules the world. The one that's in me is Jesus Christ. Who's in you today? Jesus Christ. Use his word. To kill the enemy. I had to use a chainsaw, literally, to cut these. We might have to use the chainsaw of God's word to cut some of these vines that are in our lives that have been growing around us for years. Some since we were kids. I encourage anyone to come to inner healing class and listen to some of the things that people have been holding on to, and that I was too, for 30, 40, 50 years. And watch them get set free. It's awesome. Through the word of God. Amen. The vines are being cut. Amen? There was a couple people that were holding on that weren't talking to other people for 10, 15 years. Didn't talk to them. For one reason or another. But God's cutting the vines. Amen? 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and untangle us from all our mess. Untangle us from the vines that are holding us down. Because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can cut the vines with the sword of God through Christ who strengthens me. This is my only weapon. When the enemy has gotten past the shield of faith and that fiery dart pierced your heart, because they do. They know they do. We don't always have it on. Someone says something and you're not ready and that thing pierces your heart. Boy, you better have the sword of God ready because he's gotten past your defenses. He's gotten by the helmet of salvation into your mind. Oh, that's right. You used to be a drug addict. You're no good. You shouldn't be up there preaching today, Wayne. No, 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 no. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I got to remind him who I am. I got to remind myself who I am. He got past my defenses. He got past the belt of truth of who I am in Christ. So now it's just me and him and the word of God. And the word of God will never lose. It will never fail. As long as I use it. Amen? This sword has victory written all over it. Not once. Is there a, a loss or a failure if this sword is used? And I'm talking about this. Amen? I'm going to put this away before I hurt myself. <laughs> I'm just going to put it over here. Excuse me for a second.
the sword of God, the word of God. It's powerful. It's powerful. You know? Who's ready to cut some vines? Anybody? Anyone? Okay. All right. I'm going to do something a little different. We're going to stand up, please. We're going to cut some vines. First, before we do that, I just want to ask anybody in here, if they haven't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and you feel that right now you need to do that based on whatever God's doing in your heart, not anything I said, but if God's speaking to you and says, you need this Jesus, you need some vines cut in your life, and you don't have Jesus, if that's you, raise your hand and we'll say a prayer and enter you into the kingdom of heaven, if that's you. Slip up your hand so I can see it. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to hold your Bible up in your hand. Hold it up over your head. Raise it up to heaven. Amen? Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I'm about to destroy the vines the enemy has wrapped around me through this word I'm holding in my hands my sword the word of God in Jesus name amen the third thing is let's cut the vines with our sword you can stay standing we're just about done I want to call anybody up if you want to come up to the altar and have those vines removed in your life. I don't care if it's a little tiny vine that's just starting because of what someone said to you last week and is still bothering you on Sunday. Because if someone said something to you last Monday and is still bothering you today, there's a vine growing. If something happened to you when you were a little kid and is still bothering you today and you got one of these, you better come up. You don't want to carry this no more. This is heavy. I got enough weight on me. I don't need to be carrying this anymore. If it's something you did to somebody and you're full of shame and it's bending you over like that tree, come on up. God will take it away. But you got to come up. You got to get out of your seat and come up and ask God to remove these vines. And we're going to do that as you come up. Might have been something that happened many, many years ago. You can't get rid of it. Might be somebody you can't forgive for one reason or another, including yourself. It might be that you blamed God for something and a negative vine grew. Now that vine is so thick it's overtaking you and you don't know how to get rid of it. He will change your feelings. It could be an addiction of any kind. An addiction of gambling, cigarettes, drugs, sex, the computer. Anything that's strangling the life out of you. Come up and get rid of it. Do yourself a favor by using the word of God as he cuts through the vines. Come on up. Come on up. God loves you so much. He put this word in my heart today. God's doing. 
Thank you, Father. Come on up. Don't let it strangle you no more. Come on up. Oh, he's gonna. I want everyone to repeat after me. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a people belonging to God. Did I declare the praises of Jesus Christ who called me out of darkness into his wonderful light? Once I was not a people, but now I'm the people of God. Once I hadn't received mercy, but now I receive his mercy. I'm a child of the king. I'm more than a conqueror. Because he that's in me is greater than he that rules the world. And his name is Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Now here's something I want you all to do. If you need to forgive somebody or forgive yourself, all right, I'm going to say it and I want you to name what it is you need to forgive just out loud. If you want him to cut it down, you need to name it. And I'll give you an example. Lord, I forgive Charlie for what he did to me. Or Lord, I forgive myself for what I did to so-and-so. Say it and he'll cut the vine. Forgive me, Lord. Change my heart. You ready? Here we go. Lord, I forgive. Name the person. For what they did in my life. I'm cutting the vine. Because you tell me to forgive. And that you'll forgive me. And you'll remove the vines in my life. If you have shame, do the same thing. You can do it here, you can do it at home, you can do it right now. We can stay and pray with you. It doesn't matter. God's obviously doing something here much bigger than I ever anticipated because God's much bigger than I ever could be. Amen? If you need other prayer, if someone's done something to you, you need to forgive. If you've done something to somebody else, don't leave the altar till you ask God to cut that vine. You don't want one of these around your neck. You don't want them. I'm going to ask Pastor to come up and lead us in prayer as we close out.